Hi, Tom. I just realized that you're recording and that that whole song is now on the recording. I hope you enjoyed it. That was uh, Bring the Madness by a bunch of people. It's the Noise Storm remix. Hello, and welcome to the Jet Reboots. Giant robots smashing into other giant robots. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Giant Robots Smashing into Other Giant Robots podcast. I'm Ben. And I'm Chris. And we're going to be talking about the products we manage. I, Ben, manage an app called FormKeep, which provides form backends for designers and developers. And I, Chris, manage Upcase, a subscription-based online learning platform focusing on helping intermediate web developers level up. Hi, Ben. Hey. How you doing? I'm awesome. You're awesome. Yeah, I'm pretty pretty awesome. Good. I'm glad to hear it. I was walking uh, to the recording area, and I passed the beer fridge. Mm-hmm. And I was like, maybe I should have a beer. And then I remembered that I don't like beer, and I don't like drinking. <laughs> yes. But other than that, I think it's a super good idea. Yeah. I kind of like drinking, but I don't know. Not that much. Not beer, though. As far as I not that tell. much beer, definitely. Yeah. And also not that much during the day. No. It is 4 o'clock. And we got to keep the focus. Got to keep the podcast focused, good. Yes. All of that. I'm so ready, I'm ready to rock. Yeah. Let's dive in. I think I'll lead off this week. You led off last week. Uh, so what I want to do is talk through a number of things. If uh, To be honest, up front, I didn't get as much done on the I wanted to do this from last week. Mm-hmm. But I do feel great about a lot of the things that I did. And I think there's some interesting aspects. So we can talk through that. And then we can talk through some of your stuff. And then I would love to uh, have a discussion about FormKeep specifically. Mm-hmm. I did. Uh, I kind of went through the onboarding recently. And I had some thoughts and some comments. So I thought we could talk about those on the podcast. Mm-hmm. So let's start. Uh, we'll try and move through this quickly because I have a bunch of stuff here and I would like to get to all the other things we just mentioned. Okay. So as I said, I didn't get as many of the specific things that were on my list from last week. Uh, I did not get as many of them done this week as I would have liked. A couple of things got in the way, but mostly it was just kind of business stuff, hmm. which is really frustrating. Not like bad. It's kind of an unavoidable reality. Business stuff is just like the other stuff that's not the... Yeah, so a couple of examples. I sent out a Q4 update, so summing up, uh, how did Q4 go for Upcase? What are we doing? I want to keep the rest of the company kind of abreast of what we're doing on this project, let them know where we're winning, what we're planning, etc. So that felt like a good and meaningful thing to do, and I I had had it drafted and then kind of iterated a few times. I felt like it was the time to push it out, so I did that. Uh, We also got the financial, kind of the profit and loss statement for December Mm -hmm. uh, this week, and I looked at it, and it was confusing, and there were a bunch of lines that didn't make sense. Uh, So I sat down with Matt, and we went through it basically line by line, and then actually found every single kind of expanded line item. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that revealed some things, some truths about the world, some lies about the world. Uh, Mm. So that involved some follow-ups, particularly one of which being uh, we currently had kind of a $2,000 a month ad spend on Twitter that were pretty broad, not necessarily representative of the sort of content that Upcase is focused on now, Mm. uh, and not performing terribly well. They'd been set up a while ago and just hadn't really been managed. Dude, this Uh, is why you want to sell things to companies. Yeah. Because you accidentally spent $2,000 a month for a little while. Yes. And you didn't notice it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So now we're, we're not doing that anymore. We've uh, entirely shut down Twitter ads for the time being. We'll probably return to them. Uh, my experience with Twitter and our community is that we're on it. We're reading stuff. And if there's good kind of tasteful advertising in there, I think it can be effective. I think it's a channel that can work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for now, I decided let's push that away. Let's Let's turn off that kind of money bucket. Uh, but that was something that just kind of needed to be done. Yep. And then just tracking down and invoices and things and paying out people that are doing work for us and just a lot of kind of paper movement. Not paper, actually, because we don't deal with paper ever, obviously. Well, it sounds like idea. it was worth reviewing the that P&L. Yes. Yeah. Like, even if for no other reason than that, that ad spend. Yes. And we have some internal conversations going on about 
the product structure and who's going to be working on products and how and all of that. And part of the conversation there is just understanding from a financial standpoint, how are our products doing? What are the expenses that we have? How many people can we book full time onto products? And mm -hmm. what does that look like? So I wanted to be part of that conversation. I'm excited to keep growing this thing. Mm -hmm. And I want to know, like, what are the milestones that we need to get to in order to be able to bring additional people on? Yep. Uh, so that did feel like a good use of time, kind of a necessary use of time. But it did distract from some of the other work that we were uh, that we were heading towards. That said, there were some uh, solid things that happened and some things did get done. So first, uh, this is a follow-up to something that we talked about, I think, two weeks ago. I'd sent out a broadcast email, hey, it's 2016, make this the year you level up with ThoughtBot. Uh, it performed reasonably well. We had uh, we tracked 20 unique conversions. Granted, it went out to like 4,000-something people, so not huge, but it was a very cold list. We hadn't talked to this particular user segment in a long time. Mm -hmm. So really anything was good, I think, and it started the conversation. Uh, the unsubscribes were not terribly bad. The click-through and the open rate, reasonably good. Do you have those numbers handy by any chance? I do. So open rate, 57%. Uh, click-through rate, 10%. Unsubscribe rate, 2.5%. Okay. And again, seeing that as a cold list, I'm pretty happy with those numbers. Mm -hmm. But I figured the following week, so this was uh, Thursday. So, so sorry, those 4,000 people were everyone that had like drive-by authenticated kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So these, so they haven't actually seen probably useful Upcase content before. Exactly. So the email that went out actually included links to the four most popular courses. And each of those I had enabled free sample videos on. Gotcha. So there was yep. good actionable stuff. Even if this is, hey, you haven't heard from us in a while. You're not going to subscribe via this email. But mm -hmm. come take a look. Come watch the Tmux course or the Test Driven Rounds I like, course. I, I like that uh, as a like kind of list mm -hmm. uh, reactivation attempt as opposed to like, hey, did you want to buy anything? Yeah. It's like, here's some, here's some stuff for you. Like I've said in previous ones, I, I have sort of not an aversion to marketing, but I have a sensitivity to it. And I want to make sure, especially with ThoughtBot, that our brand is something that we value very strongly. Yeah. Uh, and I don't want to, I don't want to mess with that. So I want to make sure anything I'm sending out fits with that. And actually I'll talk a little bit more about this later, but uh, I want to be heading towards the place where I constantly have that sort of value that I can offer. So exposing more of the content as samples and whenever I send an email, it should probably include something valuable that you can get even if you're not a subscriber. Hmm. Some reason to come hang out at Upcase, see what we're all about, see the kind of content we're producing. So anyway, that had happened. We had done that email, uh, and I decided it's probably I'd given it a time span to the following Saturday. So the Thursday leading up to that, I ended up sending out uh, just a quick follow-up. basically said, hey. Oh, that's right. You had a discount in this email, too. I had a discount in this okay. email, yes. So you were going to say, hey, the discount's going to expire. Yep. So the subject line specifically was upcase 50% discount ends soon. I would love to say that the subjects, and I was testing them, but unfortunately, that's not a feature right now. Mm -hmm. uh, but that was our singular subject. It seemed to work well. Uh, and then quick reminder, this is going. Basically, there was one singular button link at the bottom that said click through. Uh, come on by, try this out. Mm -hmm. uh, and this one did extremely well, actually. Mm. Uh, did essentially twice as well as the first one. Uh, so we got 40 unique conversions tracked by Drip compared to the 20-ish of the first huh. one, uh, which is really interesting. How about that? Uh, and then there were actually a few stragglers that followed up and actually emailed in and said, hey, I just saw this. I was away for the weekend. It happened over a vacation weekend, which timing is unfortunate. Yeah. But uh, they were like, hey, is there any chance I can get in? And so I uh, allowed them in with the same level of discount, just on a different coupon. What a guy. Yeah, I try. I try to be nice. Um, but again, this this second one, which I was concerned might be seen as more of a nuisance, uh -huh. had a lower unsubscribe rate. Yep. So this was 2.1% unsubscribe, which yep. is still 
not nothing, mm-hmm. but it was lower than the original Did email. you resend it to the whole list? I resent it to everyone who had not subscribed okay. since the first. So it's basically good. anyone that had not acted, mm-hmm. uh, as far as I could tell. So that was awesome. Yeah, uh, that's a good lesson there. Yes, right. Yeah, got like to the, send the follow-up. The follow-up is, is, did way better than the original. Yes, and I heard from a number of people like, oh, hey, I'm so glad you sent this because I totally missed the first one. Mm. Uh, I'm someone who very uh, fastidiously cleans out my inbox every day. Mm-hmm. And so the idea that emails might just kind of stream past in the mark is unread sequence is something that's not at the front of my mind, right. but it, it's totally a thing. And so a lot of people said like, oh, I would have missed this, but I didn't. Thank you. I appreciate that you followed up. So it's like, all right, that's that's good. Yeah, that's super cool. I wonder if a third email would have given you another you know, 15 people. <laughs> so uh, the interesting thing is I was on vacation at this point. I was at a friend's wedding and I was between events at the wedding, scrambling together an email. I wanted to get it out on Wednesday, but uh, the segment wasn't looking right. I thought I was going to send to the wrong people, so I paused on that, ended up doing it on Thursday. So hmm. uh, it was already a bit of a scramble, but it's possible that a third could do it. Basically, this has taught me that uh, I should go a little bit further on this, especially in the cases where I'm offering some meaningful value. Right. Uh, so the interesting follow-up to that is that the whole world kind of broke from an analytics perspective. Oh. So I'm counting now... 60 conversions per drip. So drip is saying 60 people uh, converted from these two operations, from these two emails. Mm -hmm. Google Analytics has no view of anything. Google Analytics never saw anything happen. And that's because uh, our coupons page just redirects away. It does not render anything. And Google Analytics happens by rendering and then some JavaScript and et cetera. So right now, anything that we do of this sort is hidden from Google Analytics, which Hmm. is not awesome. There are other ways that we can get this data, but from the sense of having a coherent picture, which Google Analytics does kind of the best job of, of how our traffic moves and who's converting and from where, now we have this big blind spot, and it seems like an important one. So that's unfortunate. The other thing that's really interesting is... What do you want to know that you don't know? That people came, that they were coming from email as a source, that they were converting. Does Drip know that? So Drip knows something. Oh, they know that like an email went out, and then eventually you subscribed? Yeah. Okay. They, they know that, but in the sense of our analytics, so Google Analytics is kind of the canonical session-based analytics platform. That's, that's how we're viewing it right now. Okay. Um, particularly, our marketing team has uh, most of their expertise in it, and they can tell me things about our visitors that I'm surprised. Like, they can see and segment and do lots of things. We've even worked to clean up the data in there, but now they have this big blind spot. Hmm. So that's unfortunate. The other thing that's really interesting is grand total, that sums up to 60 conversions, there are 80 according to the coupon in Stripe. Huh. So my guess is that people share the coupon with friends, which frankly I'm fine with, hmm. but I don't know. And I'm having difficulty actually trying to, I, I have not figured out a good way to actually reconcile the two lists and see who was doing what. That would be interesting, right? It would. Export the drip list and the Stripe list and say, who's on there? Is anyone on there that you didn't email? Right. So there's not a clear way to do that. I have a number on the dashboard that says how many conversions, but I can't see the list of people that converted from this. I might be able to do some sort of segment filtering and drip and a whole lot of... There's probably some stuff that I can do, but at this point I decided, this is good. I've learned some things. Mm -hmm. I'm going to follow on some actions, but unfortunately the analytics story around it was uh, a little noisier than I wanted. So that's the reality of the world for now, but that's where that is. Okay. Well, that's, so, I mean, 80 conversions for an email is, for two emails yeah. is pretty nice. Yeah, I'm happy with that. That's, that's real money. That's a bunch of new people that have signed up. Yeah. Um, I'm interested to see, and I'd love to try and figure out a way to track, do those users churn 
more than uh, like do they churn sooner and more regularly sure. than users that didn't come in through a channel like that yeah that interesting question but for now I, I thought of one thing i wonder if drip doesn't count someone as converting if they have converted already in the past so no one on the list has ever subscribed is that true per drip so right. if nothing else within the world of drip that what okay. you're saying All should right. be true so, never mind yeah, I'm not sure, and I haven't spent, a, like, this was good, and I, like yeah, I said, I had a lot of time things. on it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, but it's something that's going to come up again and again, so I have to figure out a couple of those well, yeah, I mean, holes. If, I mean, if you can do some work and get 80 conversions, it should come up again and again. Yes. Right? Like, yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm sure this is not, like, the infinite well of people, but... Yep. That's a, and that's we're a starting to nice look lever. at kind of guest posts and link building and other things that'll be sources pointing in, and often they'll probably have a discount associated, and the same sort of thing is going to happen, so... I don't know, something to figure out, but I'm going to defer figuring that out and uh, work on other things for right now, at okay. least. Um, let's see, quick chat about testing. So we landed the new checkout about two weeks ago, and this is the minor redesign, has some additional copy, has a picture, has a few other things just to kind of enhance that page and make it a little more conversion friendly. Uh, so discounting direct traffic, because we did see this immediate spike of people coming from email, going directly into the app and converting. I wanted to ignore that because those people were there to convert. That was mm -hmm. the game. So looking at basically organic, uh, we're seeing so far a 25% lift based on the new checkout. This is time series conversions. They're seasonal. All of the reasons that you were suggesting that I do this as an A-B test, mm -hmm. uh, like a concurrent A-B test, all of those caveats apply. But the initial data that we're seeing is a 25% lift. I'm happy with that. It seems to be converging roughly around that number. Hmm. Uh, we're going to let that test run for a little bit longer before we play with that page. But the whole idea was this page hopefully will be better overall and will give us a foundation, will give us new elements to do more sort of iterative testing. Awesome. So I think we've got probably another two weeks before we're comfortable saying, yep, definitively better. We're happy with this. Now let's start tweaking with the elements. Uh, but initially, that's pretty good. Tweaking with the elements is a good band name. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing to always be on a lookout for, good yeah. band names. Yep. Uh, let's see, another test that we are running. So right now these are basically the only tests that we have running. So I'm thinking about other ones that we can be doing. But uh, on Mastering Git, there's a title card, basically just an image. It's got some mountains in the background, which are nice. Mm -hmm. uh, and it says Mastering Git, and it's got the Git logo mm -hmm. uh, right there. Uh, so that's good. I actually really like that. But our marketing team is all about faces and all about people. Mm. So uh, we actually did some headshots with me in the studio uh, with the most recent weekly iteration. So now there's an alternative. We're doing a VWO-driven A-B test, mm. which is my face and then the word mastering Git, but the same like font and text there, but with me in the studio smiling. Uh, I feel very odd to be the subject of a test. Uh, when you get down to it, I, I think it's not so much about me as a person. It's about having a person there mm -hmm. rather than kind of an arbitrary scene. Uh, and so we're going to see how that plays out. But a strong theme that our marketing group continues to point out is people. People like people. People want to see yeah. images of individuals. And especially in the case that Upcase is all about community and about ThoughtBot, the more of those elements that we can represent in the pages the more we're kind of leaning into that. Mm -hmm. 
So I'm interested to see where that one goes, especially because I'm literally a part of the test. Right. Well, but. I mean, plus you have been teaching stuff on the internet for a while now. So like you have, you're, I'm sure you're building credibility. And so saying, this is the guy, I'm, hey, I'm the guy that does yeah. those things. Like I'm teaching this course. Yeah. I, I can't see hurting. Yeah. I had the, the strangest experience where someone sent in a help request and I replied. And I replied to a lot of the help requests at this point because we're not a very big team. Uh, and he replied, I can't believe, like said something else. And then at the end he said, I can't believe I got a response from the, all caps, the Chris Toomey. And I was like, I have never been the Chris Toomey ever. Internet famous. Actually, ChrisToomey.com is some uh, real estate agent down in Florida. So I'm definitely not the Chris Toomey. Oh. But I know it's awful. How did that happen? He got there first. Your parents have failed you. <laughs> they should have preserved they my should domain have preserved domain name. So let's see, that's testing. Yeah. Uh, other stuff, content push. Uh, actually really happy with the work we've done on content this week. So mm. in the sense of actually shipping anything, we had a weekly iteration go out. Went out a little bit late due to some holiday health-related stuff, uh, but it went out. That's good. Uh, but we also have two courses, the one that we've been talking about for a little bit. We're pushing that one forward, finishing out the notes, fleshing out the exercises, roughing out some of the edges there. Is that the active record one? That's the active record Were you one. trying to not say that? Are you trying no, to avoid talking no, about we, it? No, okay. we, we said that one. Okay. Um, I'm committed to that one because it's recorded. I'm happy to you know say that. The other course, I won't say exactly what it is because basically I don't want to get anyone's hopes up if it doesn't actually come through, but I'm pretty confident. Uh, and at this point, we have uh, two video outlines and two exercises. Uh, and this is a design for developers sort of thing. So it's teaching the tooling and the workflows that we here at ThoughtBot use for design, mm -hmm. but geared towards developers. So more of a lower level introduction, a how-to, uh, with a little bit of kind of our thinking behind it. Hmm. So I'm really excited about that, and particularly about the way the video and exercises are coming together and how I think they'll complement each other. So excited about that. We should be able to record in a couple weeks, uh, but the exact timing of when these come out is always longer than I want, and Always. I'm not really sure. Mm -hmm. So the last thing, and this was one of the major things that I wanted to work on, uh, it's not done yet, but I'm feeling good about where we're at, which is uh, off to access for weekly iteration. So the ability for a guest to the upcase.com website to be able to click through with GitHub and view a sample of the weekly iteration, so a full video. Mm -hmm. uh, so what's interesting about that is we, I realized that we have actually kind of six distinct combinatoric branches to this whole thing. So there's guests, samplers, and subscribers. And then there's a video that is free, accessible without subscription, that whole thing, or not. Giving us six total combinations and mm. thinking about, well, what should we show in this case, in this case? And it, mm -hmm. it took actually drawing a grid on paper, thinking through that with our designer, saying like, how, how do we want to position this? And right. I really like that direction. I think it's the right thing for us to be doing but it is adding complexity in a lot of places in the app. So I keep kind of stepping back and saying like, am I sure it's worth the added code and the added complexity that's here? Yeah. Uh, and overall I'm feeling like, yes, definitely. But I, I do keep stepping back and saying like, uh, I don't know. Uh, but so that's still in work. So I will get uh, a fail on that one for this week, but I'm nonetheless really happy with the amount of work that's done. Uh, and I feel like I should be able to definitely get that by the next time we talk. So. Cool. So yeah, I think those are the high levels for me. There's a couple, uh, let's see, did we talk about the code contest? Have we talked that, about that on here? I don't think here? so. So we can talk briefly about that. Uh, this was kind of an experiment. You and I ran this uh, a little bit, probably two months ago. And basically we saw some people discussing in the forum a desire for more community, more kind of collaboration between members. So we decided to help support that. And what we did was we outlined an app. We said, you guys are gonna build this 
formed some teams, work on it. We gave them a timeline and uh, a set of requirements and some wireframes defining the application. And then the teams worked for a few weeks. And at the end of that, they showed us their sample apps, uh, particularly the code. And you and I did 45-ish minutes of code review as a weekly iteration episode. With some awesome bloopers. With an amazing, like three full minutes of bloopers. I was in a goofy mood. You were in a very goofy mood. Yep. Uh, and I was three and a half hours into recording. And in you were too tired to deal with mood. me. You were like a tired parent that had just like can't chase <laughs> after the four-year-old anymore. There are some great still frames from that of you, really high energy, and me just like, focus. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, I think that went extremely well. The response from those who were part of it, they thought it was great. Uh, there was enthusiasm about doing that again. So we have another iteration of the, co the code contest running right now. So we've given them another app. You guys can work on this. A lot more people have signed up this time, which great. will mean that reviewing is going to be all the more fun. Um, but I think this is something that I want to figure out how to do in a sustainable long-term way, how to kind of always be doing something like this. Mm -hmm. I think it's a unique differentiator in kind of the code school, learn to code online right. space. I yep. think we can do this in a way that others can't. The question is just how do we do this in a sustainable way? So this is attempt two. I think, it, yeah, I think it's a great learning opportunity. And I think people underestimate actually the um, how much you can learn from someone that's roughly at your skill level or even below it. Yes, absolutely. And so people are like, oh, well, I need to I need to pair with someone who's an expert in order to you know get better at this. And it's like actually you don't. Mm -hmm. I mean that would be great if you can. Yeah. But you might even learn more if it's someone that's pretty close to your level. Basically, any interactions are a chance for learning, uh, is my experience. And like working on Upcase and having to speak authoritatively about topics and teach, I have become a way better coder as a result of that. Or at least I've learned a lot of topics. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things we really emphasize in this is group coding so work together pair if possible mm -hmm. uh, use code review and pull requests and all of these things that uh, a lot of our users are kind of clamoring for they don't have it in their current day job or they're not working in a team sort of role yep. and they really want to experience that because they think that's something that will help them with future jobs and I, my, in my experience it definitely is something that will help with future jobs so yeah, it's totally it's an interesting thing we'll see what we can make of it but uh, cool. I'm excited about it as a process so mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. So I think that's most of the stuff for me. We can do kind of the, the more detailed review at the end. But uh, like I said, happy with what we got done, despite it not necessarily being exactly what I had outlined mm -hmm. last week. Yep. So cool. how about you? It's been a good week, uh, although it's been a sort of simple week. I think my update will take uh, less time than yours. Okay. Uh, you uh, exhorted me last week <laughs> to... Uh, you're like, hey, you're, you, you just said that that thing is the most important thing. Shouldn't you be doing the most important thing? which is brilliant and cogent analysis as you usual. You are welcome, sir. Yeah. Uh, but you were quite right. Uh, so uh, the thing that I said was most important was continuing this ember removal mm -hmm. uh, so we can get to the other stuff, which is actually the, the stuff that we're, we want to do. Uh, and so I did that. Uh, I put down all my other tools and projects and everything and uh, focused on that. And awesome. had been writing code and, and shipping stuff uh, all week. Uh, and A, that's super fun. Yeah. Turns out I like programming. Turns out. Um, not a sh shocker, but like uh, every if I go, if I don't write code for long enough, I start to not exactly dread it, but I don't feel as connected to it. And like mm -hmm. it becomes more scary. You have to it, kind of reload everything into RAM. Like, how do I do that? What do I, how do I think kind of about this? For, and, um, there's a little bit of that, but the thing I was actually talking to is more about is more like uh, just like a mental perception. Hmm. It's like I'm a programmer or I'm not a programmer. Ah. And so it's like, well, I'm sort of a programmer. Like, well, no, I'm like running this business. I'm like a product manager or something. Right. And so like I have to kind of like put the programmer hat back on and be like, mm -hmm. no, I, I am the guy that's going to go in there and like make this test pass and mm -hmm. like refactor this method and, and whatnot. So it's sort of an interesting bit of momentum that I, or like, yeah, uh, inertia, inertia that I wasn't aware of. But mm -hmm. 
There it was. Uh, but I'm, I'm back in it, and it was great. Loved awesome. it. Awesome. Uh, so I had a really good week, uh, and felt like I was in the zone a lot and, and getting a lot of stuff done. Programming tasks I also really like because sometimes there are small ones, and it's like, well... I have 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah. I, could, I could fix that little thing over here. Yep. And so I feel like it's easy to slot small tasks into my day. Like mm-hmm. when I'm like, oh, like I'm going to go to lunch in a little bit, but I, I can get this thing done first. Uh, so it was wonderful. Although maintaining that focus, it's amazing how much my brain wants to go off on other things. Like I was like, okay. Like after the podcast, it was like Monday morning. I was like, all right, Chris is right. I am going to just focus on Ember this week. That's all I'm going to do. Like Ember, period. And I walk in and I'm like, all right, so what do we have for pull requests? And I see like, okay, there are a couple that are related to that. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, we have like six or seven old pull requests that we haven't closed in a long time. Yep. I should just clean out the pull requests really quick and make sure that we have like a nice, I'm like, right. wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. no, that's <laughs> not the Ember thing. Yeah. It's just like, it's this siren call. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, did you want to do this little task over here? And that, that I just have to keep fighting that. Yeah. Are you familiar with the term deep work? Deep work. No. There's a guy, Cal Newport, he runs a blog called Study Hacks, which mm. I think is uh, interestingly named. I don't think it's representative of what he's doing anymore. Yeah. Uh, but he's a computer science professor and has just been writing about productivity and things like that online for a long time. Mm. Uh, and he's kind of built up this theme and actually I think just released a book around the idea, but it's called Deep Work. Mm-hmm. And it's in this age of distractions and Twitter and everything else and constant connectedness cultivating an ability to do deep work to really focus in to pick a task and dive into it and especially those more amorphous just i've got to write the billing system yeah i can't break that down too much more because the work to do is to figure out what that is and then start implementing it Mm -hmm. but i need to sit down in a chair put on some headphones turn off everything that is connected to the internet and just write some code Mm -hmm. uh he pushes that theme really hard and talks about how to do that and how valuable that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've definitely found that those mornings where I get in early and I've carved that time out and I've said, I'm, I'm going to do this thing and not let email or customer support or things like that distract me in the way that they can multiple times, more times than they deserve in a given day mm-hmm. uh, is, is hugely useful. So we can definitely link to some of that, but I, I'm a fan of the theme that yeah, going it's, on there. It's tough and paying, I've been, I've been trying to pay more attention to that recently and I do a pretty lousy job overall of not letting my attention get pulled Mm -hmm. into things. Like in terms of just like hygiene around like building a longer attention span. Mm -hmm. It's like I I let myself pull out Twitter when I have, you know, six free seconds before the elevator shows up. Yeah. Uh, and things like that. And I've let my brain kind of get in this thing where it's like, give me more, give me more, something else. What's new? What's going on? And it's just, it's such a lousy place to live mentally. And it's definitely harmful for productivity. Oh, absolutely. And for, I think, happiness and satisfaction. Yeah, totally. Uh, I remember as a kid, I could sit down and read a book and like, I would like get up three or four hours later. Yeah. And that was just like, I'm reading a book. I'm completely immersed in this and like nothing would distract me. And now every time I try to read anything, I'm constantly fighting like, I wonder what's going on over here. Yeah. Oh, that's a cool thing. I should write that down on my journaling system. Oh, I should do this. It's it's crazy how powerful this like impulse has become. Derek uh, talked about this sort of thing on uh, Bike Shed recently. And he was saying like he was on the train and listening to a podcast at 1.5x and reading an article and he noticed this and was like what am i doing and the worst thing for me was that i heard him say these words while i was listening to his podcast at 1.5x sitting on a train reading an article and looking around i was like oh god this Mm -hmm. is the worst yeah Uh, but i think it's it's incredibly common it's the nature of things these days and it's only getting more and more so it's like apple watch I'm very clear on not, I want one because I think it's nifty and like for various things, it would be really great. But the idea that there's going to be a pop-up whenever a new email shows up on my wrist. Yeah. That's like the worst. Oh no, that's terrifying. That's, that's just going in completely the wrong direction in my mind. 
so cool technology, but I'm scared of that and what it represents for kind of the continued distraction-based attention loss society. Yeah, I've on. paired with people that have like notifications that go off like every 17 mm-hmm. seconds, and I can't believe they can get things done. Like, yeah. it, I it drives me insane while I'm using their their yeah. setup, and it's, it's just I want to kind of yell at people. Yep. So anyway, focus. It's good. So focus is good yeah. and hard, but yeah. So. We are, I had hoped to ship that this week. It mm-hmm. is not shipped, but we're awfully close. We're in that final 10%, which will only take another 90% of time. Um, <laughs> the the Trello column, the cards are getting smaller as opposed to getting larger. The stuff we're fixing is smaller. In the sense of scope of work that's defined in an individual card? Uh, yeah. Okay. It's like, we need more margin on this H1. Right. Or like, oh, if you don't put a name there, this thing blows up because we forgot to yep. handle the error. So stuff is as opposed to like the, the app basically being a, a huge mess and clearly everything's broken it's like oh not very much is broken everything looks kind of right and it's That's only nice. these little edge cases that are, are are need work yeah if nothing else just based on kind of your uh, attitude right now i can mm. tell that you're in a much better space around that and that you've clearly made some some progress there so That's kudos good to, to you i'm glad that's uh, apparent um so i have an interesting thing that happened this week to report on which is uh, i submitted uh form keep for a teardown right to the guys over at the Bootstrapped Web uh, podcast. And uh, they did one, Brian Cassell and Jordan Gall. And they did a nice job. And it was interesting because I saw the, the podcast episode come out and I had to like give it a couple days because I was like, I want to be in the right headspace when I listen to this. Oh, yeah. You know, because I was like, if these guys trash this thing and I like haven't like, I'm not, I'm not making good progress or I'm like, I'm having a rough day, like that's just going to be really hard to take. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I sat on it a couple days and I was like, okay, I'm ready now. And uh, it was it was great. They were kind, uh, but you know, fair. And you know, they pointed out some things that were not so good. Uh, and it was it was great. I actually really found it pretty valuable. So I pushed a couple small changes, even though I was, I was very focused on Ember. I did push like two small things that they, they pointed yeah. out. They're like, this thing isn't centered, and this thing should be called pricing. I was like, oh, he's so right. Yeah, and they're easy enough. And they were so yeah. quick that I was like, okay, I'm just going to do this now. Um, but um, I I'm going to go back and actually make a full list of of the things they pointed out because they they had some great questions and great great insights. So I, I would uh, I, I would encourage other people that if you have an opportunity to give someone to have someone give you a teardown then then go for it and actually I think you're gonna give me a teardown actually uh, something like that yeah. yeah so that happened we can link to that if you're interested they they mm-hmm. also reviewed a number of other sites and I guess the final update is that the email course is almost live so I did pause Ember work uh, to uh, unblock our writer people because I want that email course out there stat yeah because that. Unlike the, the long-term content marketing stuff, I actually think is a quick win in terms of uh, making more money, basically. Starting to get people into that, uh, into the into your drip sequence and yeah, all like, that. I, yeah, I think basically when you, like a page with a drip, with a, with a email course, uh, converts higher over time, for sure, in mm. my mind. Like, I think there will be a real lift in conversions. And so that's the kind of thing that I, I do want to get out there right away because it, I think it starts making money pretty fast. Yep. So that I prioritize up, uh, but that's uh, that's what's going on. So I'm actually out next week. Yep. Uh, so you're going to do an interview. With I am. Somebody interesting. Yes. Uh, related to our producty stuff. And I will check in uh, the week after that. And at that point, hope to say, hey, we don't have any Ember. Oh, I so look forward to hearing that. Yeah, me too. Awesome. So now what we're going to do uh, pretty briefly, I think, is I'm going to run through as a new user uh, and describe my thoughts as I get into FormKeep. Okay. Uh, so as a bit of context, I think I'm kind of in the ideal sweet spot for FormKeep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reason I say this is in the past, I had to put together a website, particularly for my uh, then fiance, but now wife, uh, our wedding. And I decided to use a static site generator because I love them and I think they're great and I think they're the right way to do that sort of thing. Mm. But we wanted to have a song request form on there. So just what's your name and what song would you like? 
very simple piece of technology. And I did the only obvious thing, which was I built an entire separate Rails app on Heroku to catch those answers and then redirect people back to the static site. So I built FormKeep, but terrible and mine and you know running on its own and mm-hmm. sleeping all the time and that kind of stuff. Mm. Uh, so I'm definitely in the use case. I think uh, I would actively avoid WooFoo and things like that just because I want to control these elements much more. I don't want to iframe things in. I went with a static site generator because of speed and simplicity and all of that. And the minute I'm bringing in an iframe, I feel like I'm breaking those ideas. So uh, that's the context for me as a user of FormKeep. So now I'm here, I am on the first page. Uh, so we have a single field, form name. So I like that, that- So you've signed up already? I just signed up, I just said- You gave my, email and password. Yeah, email okay. and password. Yep. Uh, so I definitely like that the only thing that we're asking for is form name. Uh, keep this as simple and as minimal and focused as possible. So I'm gonna say uh, contact form. That's a change based on user testing, by the way. Yes, yeah, I think we talked about that in a previous episode, yeah. uh, but definite thumbs up on that. This is a super clean and clear page. Mm-hmm. So now I create form and now I'm on the next page. And uh, what I'm seeing is uh, a bunch of text. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of copy on here. And if we're being honest, the first time I saw this when I was just poking around the other day, I wasn't super engaged because I was just, I was playing, I was trying it out, mm-hmm. but I think that's actually not that uncommon. Mm-hmm. Um, so as a, as a possible data point, that's something to think about. And I kind of glossed over the text mm-hmm. and I was just like, I don't, I don't know. I just want to, I want to see a thing show up in there because again, form keep is about the data, not about the form. So we're leading here with actually the markup for a form. Mm-hmm. So that's actually the first thing that's in line, yep. but I don't, I don't want the form. I want, the, I want the data. So, so you're on the setup page. Yes. So after we have the form name, it's like, okay, now, now like, we got to conceptually. The next thing is like, how do you, how are you going to get data into mm-hmm. FormKeep? So that's the that's the goal of this page. And you're saying you wish, like you you want to play more. Would you like to? Do you want to see an entry already in the form, or do you want like a thing you can click that's like fire an entry into it or something? Or uh, even slightly better. So okay. I went crazy fancy because this is the sort of thing I do, and then I realized we can do this much more simply. But what I wanted was a button that says, try it out. That opens a Mm pop-up, which is a smaller frameless if possible, but not possible on all browsers. I get to learn about pop-ups while looking at this. Uh, But pop that out and actually have a live form there. So rather than giving people markup and saying, go take this to your place, install that, write some stuff, send us your first thing. What's interesting is at the bottom of this page, we have waiting for submission and that's actually live polling. When that first submission hits, we're gonna get live feedback there but not until. Uh, and similarly, if I go, if I click through, mm-hmm. that next page is not polling. So that like right. yep. the form endpoint where it shows all of the data, yep. um, that's not. So what I'd love to see here is the absolute minimum, your form's ready, uh, Some possibly some links out to say like, if you wanna do other things, but basically that try it out button mm. pops open a window. That window has a form, Okay. not the markup, but an actual form. Yep. And uh, I think you said that contact forms are kind of the majority use case right. for this. Yep. So let's make it a normal contact form, minimally styled, but representative. Mm-hmm. And they fill that data out, hit submit. And now behind that on the main window, we're live polling in the data view. Mm. And so when that first entry that they just created arrives, it slides in and now the content's available. They can see that direct link. This thing catches that data because again, FormKeep is about the data and not about the forms. They make that connection. The user makes that connection immediately, basically. Mm. Mm-hmm. And you make that as easy as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my thinking is we know their endpoint. So we just 
open a window. That window points to another page. So this is a Rails rendered page. Happens to have a form with the right endpoint as the action. Right. Uh, and then that just kind of works. Uh, I was doing it with Fancier. I was doing like inline data HTML stuff in the URL, and that turns so out. So you mocked this up? Yes. Oh wow. Uh, well, I wanted to play. It was it was an interesting tech challenge, and you know how I can nerd snipe myself. So, mm-hmm. uh, nerd snipe is an XKCD reference that we'll include in the links in case anyone's confused about why I said that. Um, but so I think that workflow can be really useful. Mm-hmm. Additionally, when I did mock this up, that form just behaves normally because it, it it's a normal form, yep. and so it when it submits, it displays the normal page. Yep. But instead, we could have a hidden input on that first form, the pop-up form, uh-huh. that knows that this is the form keep sample form. Yep. And instead presents a different display that says, awesome, you've got your first data in there. Here are the next steps. Here's how to build a simple form. Here's our guide to styling responsive forms. And then give them kind of those next steps. Right. Interesting. So almost sides. Yeah. See, I like it. So Rob Walling talks about the minimum path to awesome. Mm-hmm. and. Totally agree. Like our second steps is a huge wall in front of mm-hmm. the awesome. And so a bunch of people never complete that. And yep. so they never actually get to see the rest of the app because we basically lock them out until they do send us their first submission. Yeah. And so it's like, ha, no app for you. Right. Go do this, go do your homework. Yeah. So this this would take an amount of work, but sure. my initial guess as to how it could be done was way more complicated. And I realized this can actually be done with basically you need to have a separate view yep. that renders a form that is relevant for this page and then introduce live polling on the data page and that's most of it that's like the lion's share of what we're describing here yeah yeah I, I like that and then so so it's like kind of short-circuiting to the awesome and then saying okay now if you actually want this right. to work you need to actually go set yeah. this up for your own now that you're your convinced that this is cool now that you've seen the direct uh you know what this whole thing looks like from a user perspective because mm-hmm. at the end of the day that's from you as the user the consumer of the information and from your you know what the form looks like. Now, if you want the HTML for that form, we've got it right here and the styles. So again, in the mm-hmm. sense of minimum path to awesome, I'm a developer. I don't know how to do forms that well. I do. I can look it up. I know where to find it. But for instance, when I was making that site that I was describing, I had to research a bunch of times responsive form design mm. and make sure that the labels, you know, instead of being inline, they popped above when we got down to a small enough width. Mm. It's not a core skill set of mine. So if Formkeep also had the necessary, like, here's how to build a form, here's some, say, like, uh, usability things, and here's some base styling mm-hmm. and a guide for each of those, and they can... I need help with I need help with this or I need help hmm. with this and each of those is now a link that gets them to the next step of building their form. I like that a lot. And you know what I'm thinking as you're saying this? If you if we wrote it in the right way, it wouldn't even need to be form key specific. Right. So this becomes like yes. a form university that yep. is amazing, like Google. Uh, exactly. So the really good article on how to do responsive forms mm-hmm. is very much open to Google, and you just happen to link to it from the get your get yourself started. I like it. We have a page which is like a common question is how do I submit my form using AJAX? Hmm. And so we wrote I did up, that. <laughs> so we wrote up a little thing like how do, how does we we're sick of answering the questions. I was like, yeah. how do you submit the form with AJAX? And it's just a pretty it's not a very fleshed out page, and it gets a ton of traffic from people searching for how yeah. do I submit a form with AJAX? 
I think the thing that was useful for me was I put myself back into the mindset of when I was doing this. And mm -hmm. I was like, what were the things that I hit? Well, responsive, I remember I had to search that a bunch. And then yeah. I had to think through how do I handle Ajax and getting the response and then folding up the form so it was out of the way and saying something nice. And having a quick answer for all of those yeah, totally. gets people to super awesome real quick yeah. and is Google foo. So. I like it. That's all, I think that's all really good stuff. I have this weird, uh, fear is not the right word, but like... I have this. I'm curious to see what happens if we make a page where your form is on it, mm -hmm. and then suddenly, like, I just picture certain people being like, "Oh, I, I have a page with a form on it. How do I change what's on that form?" I'm like, no, no, no. You like make your own. I'm like, no, no, I just want to change this one. And then we're like building a the, the form, you know, the hosted form solution. Well, so in the sense of how can I make this one? You give them the HTML and the CSS in line. So yeah. if they do want to do that, and you if they're copy like, paste it to your site. There you go. This yeah. will work for you. Right. The one thing, though, that I actually just thought of is people could just wrap an iframe around that and it would work. Sure, whatever. Which I guess is fine because they still have to pay you for the endpoint, so who cares? But it's interesting yeah. no, because it's, it's literally the opposite of what it stands for. Right, but and, and it's also it's like there's, there's a degree to which we don't want to, we want to build the product that we think it should be. Yeah. But also like if all our customers are saying they want this thing and they're wrong. Yeah. It's the like, cow path. What's the, uh, the anecdote there? Paving the cow path. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I, I haven't heard that, but I, I that's a great, I already get it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's great feedback. And and that's an area I knew we were weak and you can see it on the uh, the funnels. You yep. can see where people fall off and it, it's pretty much right there. Yeah. I like it. Cool. Once the Zember stuff is, is gone though, yeah. we can, I'm looking forward to, to working on that. Yeah. Happy to chat more about it, but I was, I, I kind of had the thought on the train one day coming in and I was like, I'm excited enough about this that I'm going to spend a portion of my Friday working on this. Wow. Um, so that was fun. It was an interesting challenge. Very and, cool. Uh, and I'm excited for what it could mean for form keep and the activation and the funnel and all of that. Totally. So. Yeah. I appreciate all that. That's, yeah. that's, that's helpful. And yeah, I, the form, how do you do these things with the forms? It's like, that's God, that's right in our sweet yeah. spot. That's perfect. Yeah. You want to be the one-stop shop. Yeah. You're making a form on your static site. We got everything you need. Totally. Yeah. That's interesting. Okay. Cool. Cool. Well, that was fun. Uh, I think we should probably wrap it up. Let's do that. So why is the product better for your customers this week than it was last week? <laughs> it's not really. It's been every right. time. It's yeah. also, I have done also not basically nothing to acquire more customers since last week, except for proofread the uh, email course. All right. But I mean, but, per yeah. last week, most important thing, that's yep. what we're doing. Yep. And uh, I guess the thing that I would think about is if in two weeks time, which is the next time we'll talk, answers are still like that, then we've got to figure out how to get the current most important thing done, figure out a shorter path to it, figure out a simpler implementation. Yep. But for now, that all feels like the right kind of optimization there. Mm -hmm. What do you do well that you should repeat? I think the focus is the biggest thing. Yeah. I think just intent, like aggressively pushing away things that weren't the most important thing. Yep. What did you do poorly that you should reduce? Nothing really stands out this week. Nice. So that, Good not week. that I didn't, not that I was like perfect, but nothing stands out. Uh, what do you hope to do by next time? Um, well, next time is two weeks from now. So I hope I've, I hope in production, we got November. Mm -hmm. That's that, that's, I think that's the goal. All right. And MRR up or down, where are we at? Uh, let's see. Uh, so we are uh, up, uh, we were 47.62 last time. We're at 48.95 this time. So up a bit. Um, it is what it is. We're it is. Working on Ember. Uh, it's going in the right direction though, which is nice. So you always like to see that. That's good. Higher than it's been this year. <laughs> Actually, maybe ever. That might be. This might be the all-time high. Yeah, it is the all-time high. So hey, which is it's also supposed to be. All right, you ready? Yeah. All right. Why is the product better for your customers than last week? 
unfortunately, I think the only answer to this is the weekly iteration. Okay. Um, so we got one of those out there. But uh, on the other hand, I think it's important for me to kind of take stock of the fact that every week we do ship and it's content that I'm proud of and it's content that's interesting and engaging and seemingly useful to our users. So uh, I do want to give myself some credit on that because I think often if I don't do anything else in a week, I'm like, oh, but that's actually non-trivial. Mm -hmm. And in the future, that could be the all of it. But yeah, that's it for this week. Cool. What have you done to acquire more customers since last week? Uh, the follow-up email was nice. Yep. Uh, I did it and it succeeded. So happy about that. And then... Um, Actually, I forgot to mention this, but we updated the big old yellow buttons that say subscribe now. They now go directly to the checkout. Now that we're seeing the checkout as a more reasonable target to send people to, those buttons, those kind of intent to buy buttons now go directly there rather than to the join page. Oh, interesting. So they used to go to a landing page. They used to go to the top of the landing page, and then you had to click another button, which took you to the bottom of the landing page, and then you had to click another button, which took you to the checkout page. They awesome. now short circuit all of that, go directly to the checkout page. Cool. Do not pass go, do not collect, et cetera, et cetera. Great. Uh, what did you do well that you should repeat? I think uh, supporting content work. I think we got a lot done. And I think I did a good job of staying close and touching in enough times and helping kind of direct things and edit and guide that, but also not be the only one doing it. So mm -hmm. I was able to focus on a lot of other things while still having content moving forward in a very meaningful way. Cool. How about poorly? Poorly. Um, Less well. Yeah, I think I got distracted and, and pulled down just in kind of my uh, mental state by a few things. And that hurt my productivity and things. But I was able to kind of recognize that name it as a few things I was having some difficulty around the weekly iteration task. But again, the same sort of thing. I noticed that uh, I pulled in Ali, our designer who's been working on it. She was like, can we just talk through this? And mm -hmm. I drew the picture and just seeing that that task was stopping me up, but not for any good reason taking a step back, looking at it from a different angle, trying to name that. And uh, now I'm pretty happy with where we're at and I feel good about my ability to get it done. So, nice. Cool. Yeah. Uh, what do you hope to do by next time? By next time, uh, definitely have that uh, fleshed out and finished. I would like to have the Active Record course uh, fully edited and exercise ready. So that's a, that's a tall order, but we have two weeks before we're recording. Yep. I think it's a worthwhile goal and something to push for. Might be a little bit lofty, but I want to push towards that. that. That first thing you said was the was the weekly iteration to people that are not subscribers? Yeah, free samples of the yeah, weekly iteration, yeah. getting that in. And I think probably sending out one or two more emails. Uh, I wanna, oh, don't do that. Hmm? Don't do that. They, they make money. They're not good. <laughs> they're, uh, they're poor. Yeah, I'm going to do that, I think. Probably uh, follow up, reach out to a broader audience about mastering Git, as well as the fact that I just opened up Tmux and... Uh, Test Driven Rails, two of our most popular courses. Mm -hmm. Tell some people about that because they probably want to watch some of the free content. Yeah, to, Peter Cooper is a guy who runs you know the JavaScript Weekly and Ruby yes. Weekly and yeah. all these things. Like mm -hmm. I had him do a review of that screencast I made 100 million years ago, right. Vim for Rails developers, and like sold a ton of it based on his single blog post. Yeah, he was uh, like, yeah. I was like, hey, could you do, could you review this? He's like, oh yeah, sure, no problem. And it was like, why are there 50 emails in my inbox that all say I sold a screencast? And I was like, <laughs> oh right, Peter's review went live. So, awesome. All right, yeah. No, talk to him. Uh, and what is your MRR? MRR is currently at 33403. Hey, which is up from 32451. So that's almost a hundred, uh, almost a thousand rather. Matt's hard. That's uh, awesome. Almost a thousand in just under a week, actually. And most of that, I think, is due to those emails. So I like email. Hey, yeah, excited I, about that. I was talking to uh, Brendan Schwartz at uh, Wistia, mm. and they also uh, believe in the email power. Mm -hmm. And he was like, I had this experience where we were looking at our MRR graph, and I was like, 
what are these spikes here? Like, what happened on these days? And they're like, that's when we sent emails to everyone. And they're like, yep. oh. Yeah. 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 It's a big thing in the back of my head is how to get more systematic about that. And right. Well, so that, that sequence where you're like, we have a thing. Hey, reminder about the thing. Last yep. chance for the thing. Like, shouldn't everyone get that sequence? Yes, everyone should get that sequence. Yeah. I've gotten myself into actually a bad spot where uh, I've sent out kind of disjointed emails. And now I'm saying, like, I want to send this next one to anyone that didn't get that one and right. hasn't subscribed and didn't get that one. And I have to kind of level that and just say I have three main segments of users and I send them the relevant things and that's it. And they all get something whenever a new content comes out or, you know, what have you. Yeah. It's all, yeah. Like, use the automation part of marketing automation. Yeah. That. Yeah. Cool. Wow, nice job on the MRR. That's pretty Thanks. sweet. Hoping Very, we can continue it. Very cool. All right. Well, I'll see you the week after next, mm-hmm. and you're gonna enjoy the enjoy the, the hosting hot seat. I am. It's, it's gonna, gonna be, be a lot of Chris. A lot of Chris. All right. Today's show was produced and edited by the one, the only Tom Obarski. If you'd like to access the show notes for this episode, you can go to giantrobots.fm/slash 180. Thanks for listening. 